Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hi, everyone. Wayne here. Just wanted to let y'all know that we are so excited to see you at the Kennedy Center next month for the live show. There are less than 20 tickets left, and if you're around and can join us, you can purchase your tickets at the link in the episode description. See you soon. In the meantime, enjoy this chat Alex has with musician Chris Brooks. Hi. I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. (laughs) Chris, I am beyond excited to talk to you today. How are you? I'm doing really well. Like, I can't complain, you know, just health as well. I've been mentally working on myself, doing a lot of self-work. And it's been a struggle, but it's been rewarding as well. I'm kind of on the other side of the uh, the struggle, the journey. So I'm seeing the benefits of the work that I've been putting in, which hasn't been easy, but necessary nonetheless. So I'm in a really good space right now. So I really cannot complain. I'm very grateful. I'm really happy to hear that. Before we move forward with our conversation, can you please introduce yourself to the Hey Girl listeners? So my name is Chris, K-R-I-S. Chris Brooks is my artist name. People know me as the Chris Bliss, if you were to search online. But I am an artist, mostly a singer-songwriter and world-traveling performer. That's what I do for my life. I sing around the world with various artists as a background singer. And I also write my own music, perform my own shows. And I'm actually really just trying to transition out of the world of background singing. Not saying I'll never do it again, but I'm really just trying to show up for myself as an artist. I'm in this shifted space of trying to recognize what it will look like for me as Chris Brooks the artist, not just Chris Brooks singing behind other artists. That's absolutely phenomenal. I remember when you first like dove into this work. I feel like it was years and years ago now. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a while ago. And I do remember us talking about your career and what you wanted to do and then like you just made it happen like you went on the audition (laughs) and the thing just happened and I was just like this is wild so I want to kick off our conversation talking about going for the dream doing the hard thing and now Mm -hmm. being in your career established and just moving through the ebbs and flows of it all so let's start with doing the hard thing when did you decide I'm going to go after my heart's work and my desire? 
I graduated during the recession. So I graduated in 2010 and I went to Berkeley College of Music. So I did go to music school. But while I was in school, I really fell in love with the business side to music. And I have an entrepreneurial mindset. So I was more thinking of the trajectory of music licensing and publishing and marketing and executive type work. I wasn't pursuing performance. So I graduated, couldn't get a job in the field, whether it was New York or LA. Labels were also shifting. Digital music was making a big wave. There was a lot of transitioning happening in the industry. And I just couldn't get a job because the entry-level positions that I was applying for were going to people who were already in the industry for a decade. Like, it was a really bad time. So I just moved Mm -hmm. back home to my parents' house, Pennsylvania. I was there for a couple of years during that time. I was just working some tables, working as a server, hostess at a restaurant, like in the neighborhood, nothing crazy. And I was like, this is not like lit. I don't like this at all. Like having a really hard time adjusting being here, being back home in a, you know, smaller town, suburban town. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started blogging because I was like, let me do this little outlet to, for me to just like express myself creatively in this dead out town. So I, that's what started the Chrysalis. Started the Chrysalis, you know, people were starting to be like, oh, who's this girl? You know, started making waves through my blog, which was totally not my intention. But I was like, okay, cute. And then after a point of time, I was just like, the blog is not even enough. Like, I got to get out of here. Like, this is not fulfilling me. So I decided I'm just going to save some money and just move to New York. Don't have no job. Don't have no place to live. But I just feel that I have to do something. And as I look back on it, I'm just like, wow, that was really me showing up for myself at such a young age, like, you know, like not choosing fear and just choosing yourself. I'm just like, wow, I really did that. So I moved to New York, August of 2013, no job, found my apartment on Craigslist. (laughs) Thank God it was valid because I look back and be like, that could have been a really shady situation. (laughs) Fortunately, (laughs) fortunately it worked out. Got my little one room out of a three bedroom in Bushwick. The first day I was there, I went to a show and I ran into some college buddies and she's like, oh my gosh, a girl that I was in like a songwriting class with. You're here now? I'm like, yeah, I'm here in New York. I just moved here today. You know, I'm looking to work in like a restaurant, something that's going to give me the flexibility of hours because I'm just trying to hustle out here. I want to get a job in the industry. I want to be able to perform. I can do backgrounds, like whatever. People who need me to do whatever, voice lessons, whatever. I'm here. I'm just trying to put my name out there. Okay, cool. Well, I know this guy. He works at this restaurant in Times Square. He makes a lot of money. I could try to hook you up. And it was through her that I got the job at this restaurant through her friend who didn't even know me. So I was already secured with a job. You know, a few weeks in, bomb, I got the job. So I'm working making my little coin. I'm like, okay, now let's just like let people know you're in town. So I was just emailing people, reaching out, going to networking events, searching online, seeing where people are hanging, seeing if I could tag along to go to these outings, seeing if I could get into that show, this show, you know, just really like that New York hustle mentality. And um, it wasn't until about spring of the next year, I got an email, just like a random email from a friend who was like, hey girl, are you available to perform on Saturday Night Live? I was like, um, absolutely. <laughs> like, <laughs> am I available? I will make myself available. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, it's for this artist. Their name is Sam Smith. They're a UK artist. They need 10 singers for a chorus for a song called Stay With Me. Okay, yeah. cool. Bet. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to the gig, SNL, we did the show, Sam blew up. That was Sam's debut U.S. performance. And like 
Sam just blew up, blew up Mm -hmm. from that one performance. And then it was, can we call you back for another gig? Can we call you back for another gig? And then they were just finally like, do you want to go on tour? Like I was chosen out of the group to continue forth with the Sam Smith camp. So it wasn't an audition at all. It was just, you know, a little bit of luck and a little bit of, I guess, what was meant to happen. One gig turned to another and turned into a full tour. And I've done Sam's first world tour. I've done Sam's second world tour. And we're about to you know, start on the third world tour this fall. So it's been a journey, but uh, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. It was, I guess, a little bit of serendipity, a little bit of luck, a little bit of just, you know, being in the right place at the right time and having good intentions. And I think what has kept me in this industry and working successfully is just keeping the mindset of understanding that (laughs) there's so much talent. You're not God's gift to the world. Like there's so many other people lining up waiting to do what you do, but you really have to stay humble. You really have to be genuine about your work and Mm. be grateful um, and filled with gratitude with what you do because I've seen the opposite of that. And I've seen people fired and people burning bridges because of the deviness and the ungratefulness. And so it's a fickle industry, but I've been navigating it pretty well, I think. So that's basically been a journey. When you look back at your younger self and the bravery she had to say, I'm not going to settle for this mediocre, average, unfulfilled life. I don't want that. And that's not to say that you were going to have that, but that you were starting to have those conversations with yourself. Like, I got to get out of here. I got to do something. Do you feel proud of her? Do you know where she got that strength and that bravery from to just say, I'm self-choosing and we're going to see where this thing goes? I think because I'm an only child and my parents raised me to be very independent and have always treated me like they've always treated me like I wasn't a baby, a child. Like, of course, I was their child, but they regarded with me with a level of expectation and respect. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that has always stayed with me. And I've just always been mature and independent in that way and feeling like I would be able to take care of myself. I would be able to navigate something if I found myself in a pickle. Like, I always knew that I could do it, but I would have their support in the end. And I think their support really, truly, and honestly has been like a driving force and reason why I'm even successful to this day they were the ones that put me in tap jazz ballet piano lessons like you know taking me to jazz taking me to the ballet taking me to see Broadway like they really exposed me to this artist lifestyle especially black art like I was very educated in my home Mm -hmm. and honestly that foundation literally is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today like I've had nothing but full support oh you want to go to music school high school yeah you want to go to a music college okay we got you like I really truly understand that not everyone's experience and um I'm very grateful to them because they supported me when I said I'm just going to move to New York without a job. <laughs> they were like, uh, they probably had their reservations and, you know, didn't express that to me because they knew that at the end of the day, I would have to do what I do. But as I look back, like, especially, you know, just how I just did it, like, ah, it's weird because I don't even really think about it that much. So thinking about it now, I'm like, wow, I really was just fearless. I think it was a mix of, you know, thinking you're grown as hell at like 22 years old or 
<laughs> you know, thinking that you know everything. Mm-hmm. That like mm-hmm. cockiness and like confidence that's like really not rooted in shit because it's like, girl, you didn't know anything. Like you were just right. winging it. Like you just, you know, you didn't know about life like that. You were still living at home. You weren't paying your own bills. So I think it was a little bit of that cockiness that comes with being young and free mm-hmm. and just also knowing that at the end of the day, I do have my family that has my back. Like my pop-pop, may he rest in peace, he actually threw me some bones to move to New York too. So I think it was just like a a group effort, really. (laughs) And like, I think that is so bomb that your parents stood by you and nurtured you in a way that made you feel supported. I'm an only child too. So hearing another only child share their story just brings me lots of, you know, fuzzy, warm feelings because at the end of the day, I really and truly believe that it all starts at home. And Mm -hmm. for example, with my oldest daughter, Charlie, who's now 12 and she's she's 12. Girl. Girl, cannot believe she's 12. Um, (laughs) She's a phenomenal artist. Phenomenal. Like, can look at something, can look at a face, and put it on paper. And Mm. my husband and I have been just pouring into her and cultivating that, like, you got it, you can do it, practice, work hard. You want to go to art school? Sure. You want to play the flute? Sure. Now, while she's not the only child anymore, she's the eldest. And we want her to feel like she has her own security and identity. So hearing you talk about how your parents nurtured you just makes me want to lean deeper into that nurturing spirit that we're giving to Charlie and in turn her younger sisters as they, you know, get older and come into their own, especially being Black children. That is just monumental and important for us in our community. So to shift gears a bit, talking about you being a woman of color in the music industry. What has that been like for you? And how does it make you feel? Does it make you feel proud? Has it made you feel anything other than positive? What have you been learning about being a Black woman in the music industry? Because I've fortunately been able to work with like a lot of different artists. I've worked with Sam a lot, but I've also, I was on tour with Stevie Wonder and the Salty on the Key of Life tour. Um, I was able to work with John Legend. I've been able to work with Mary J. Blige. The list goes on. And different camps will give you different energies. But one thing I will say is for the most part, being connected to or being in the same space as other Black women has provided me with confidence and joy for the most part. I really haven't had any negative experiences with working with other women of color, other Black women specifically. And, you know, as a singer, I would say on the pay grade, like singers are, especially like female singers are at Mm -hmm. the bottom of the pile. Like we're seeing like, oh, your job is easy. You just have to open your mouth. Like we want to throw you this money, but we're going to pay the guitarist more. We'll pay the drummer more. We'll pay um, the bass player more. When, Mm. as I see it, we should be paid the same. And depending on what I'm doing on the gig, I might even need to be paid more. That's something as a Black woman, as a woman, I've had to, at times, really, really fight for myself because labels will try to just throw you any kind of coin and say, oh, well, you know, we want you to do these three rehearsals, but the budget doesn't allow us to pay you for the rehearsals. But 
we'll pay you for the gig, but for the rehearsals, uh, sorry. And it's one of those things where you just have to stick to your guns and say, well, we're not going to have rehearsal. I'll show up for the gig, but if you can't provide me money that I need to be able to do this job, to get out of my house and to travel to you and to spend all this time and energy and work getting ready for the show and you can't even pay me for my services, then I don't, I can't do the gig. And I've seen a few times where I've really just had to put my foot down and at the end they'll, they'll bend and pay. But there's this whole dismissiveness that kind of comes with being a singer, especially a female singer in the industry. I guess that would be my only negative in the industry is just really you have to stick up for yourself because they'll always try to get over on you. And then on the other side to that, traveling while Black. I mean, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm in a camp right now that's, you know, based in the UK. So I'm like the only American in the camp. And I've been the only like American band member since I started working with Sam. And navigating that had been interesting in the beginning because I wasn't used to being around all, you know, a whole bunch of people from, you know, England. Just we don't have the same culture. We don't have the same sense of humor. There's just differences. And there's probably stereotypes that they were putting on me as I would probably, I might've been putting on them. But um, I think once they realized who I was, I mean, everyone loves me. I love everyone in the camp, but I think there's definitely a navigation period with traveling and just uh, traveling while as a black woman, sometimes people project onto you going to certain regions like Australia, where there's not that many black folks. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some, you know, African peoples, but not too many, like spread out. And then not seeing like a Black American girl is just so rare. And it's really difficult traveling to regions like that because there's a lot of passive aggressiveness there. And just like my Black body is like problematic for people and, or my Black body is, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to engage with this person. I don't even know how to be in the same space with this person. And mm-hmm. it's super frustrating and it's disheartening, but that's just the reality. But I think, you know, having other women of color, other Black women with me on this journey as we travel is very helpful. Like I have a tribe when I'm traveling because there's other Black women in the camp. Mm -hmm. And I think had I been the only one, I would have such a different experience than I do. So um, if I were alone, it would have been a lot more difficult. But it's like the same shit wherever you are, whether you're in a very white space in, you know, uh, Kentucky, or if you're in a very white space in Australia, or if you're in a very white space in, I don't know, England, you can experience like the same type of shit, the same type of bullshit. And really, it's just like trying to like go inside and really just like keep it calm because they don't deserve like any reaction from you. And you know, as I'm getting older, I'm in my 30s, I think it's like easier to kind of just take it with a grain of salt. What has music taught you about community? What has it taught you about leaning into self-care in a way that feels accessible and meditative? What music does in its purest form is connect people, right? Music is the, you know, the language that we can all understand. Seeing what 
you know, five, six people can create and have that grow into something and continue to grow and expand and shift and grow and expand and shift. Like, I really feel like, especially in the camp I'm in now, that these people are my family. Like, this is my community. Like, the people that I play with, the people that I sing with, the people that I work with, I'm so blessed to say, like, these are my folks. Like, we have a strong community. Whatever I need, I need guitar on this track. Can you help me figure out this chord? Can you sing backgrounds on this song that I'm working on? It's just this whole, like, collective of humans that are very passionate about the same subject and we're also uniquely bringing our own personality into this collective and it provides a space for so much beauty to come out of it so I would say this being in music has solidified my family my musical family and I'm grateful for that and Mm -hmm. to answer the second part of your question wow I mean I would say more so my personal music my personal writing my personal poetry my personal everything and that I do in music that has been such a self-healing, self-caring moment because when I perform my music, which, Lord child, it ain't out yet. Every time I perform, people are like, oh, how can I download this? And I'm like, guys, you can get out online. And people are like, wait, this is not recorded? And I'm like, yeah, it's not It's literally the same conversation every time. But I'm working on recording this year, amen, and I'm putting out the EP next year. So yes, the music ma'am. is on its way, amen. We're gonna put that in the, in the universe. But when I perform my music, the feedback that I always get is, wow, I really needed to hear that song tonight. Mm. Wow. Listening to those lyrics, listening to that song, like, I really resonate with what you said. Like, wow. It was like, your voice is just transcendent. Your voice is this. Your voice is that. Wow. When I listen to your music, it just puts me in this, like, deep meditative state. Like, these are the, this is the feedback I'm getting. So it's like, the music that I write, which is about life and self-love and self-healing and caring for yourself and realizing that love is not necessarily a projection or loving some other people, but love is, the most important love is the love you have yourself. And the fact that I'm writing music about just real life stuff, not just love songs, but life. Mm-hmm. I think people really um, connect with that. And it's like I'm able to heal myself through this music, but I'm able to heal other people. And that's what I really believe that my bigger purpose is in this life is to write music that will heal other people. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. Hey Girl Podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.